everyone. Welcome on this Good Friday to Ark of Grace. We have a very interesting show for you today. Aaron Antis is here with us to talk about his father's paintings. His father basically painted the life of Jesus, and he did one of that Passover meal that he had with his disciples before he died on the cross. He did other paintings too we're going to discuss today, but that is one of them that Aaron told me himself has a lot of nuggets and revelation in it that his father, when he painted it, didn't even maybe realize that were put in there that they saw later on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up in prayer. Welcome to our moderators and Ark of Grace team. Thank you for helping me do what we do for the Lord. Chag Pesach to our Jewish brothers and sisters out there. Happy Passover. Happy Good Friday. It truly is a good, victorious Friday because about three o'clock our time, Jesus said it is finished. Yeshua, he died on the cross. He purchased us and redeemed us at Calvary. And we are forever grateful for that for that gift that we could never, ever repay. And we praise the Lord for that. So let's open up in prayer and then we're going to bring Aaron in. Father God, in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, we come before you. We praise you. You are almighty God. You are high and lifted up far above every power, principality and might. We give you all the glory, honor and praise. Do your name, Father. We humble ourselves before you this day, asking that the pull of the flesh becomes less in our lives, so you, your will, and your power become more in our lives. We acknowledge you sent your son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, to the earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Passover lamb. He died at Calvary. He purchased us and redeemed us that day at Calvary, Father God. We praise you. He victoriously rose again in three days, ascended back into heaven, and took his rightful place at your right hand, where he rules and reigns forevermore and is our advocate, Lord. And we honor that before you this day. Father, we invite your presence and the presence of the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, to fill this place, to fill where we are, Father God, to lead and guide us in all wisdom, counsel, might, power, and the reverential fear of the Lord. By the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, by the spirit of the one true living God, may only the truth and power of Almighty God with authority come forth in Jesus' name. Father, take all the glory for yourself. You are the potter. We are most certainly the clay. You are the author and finisher of our faith. Without your breath of life in us, we don't have life, Lord. We praise you, Father God, this day and every day in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Now let's bring in Aaron Antis. Many of you know him from Reawaken America and, and Clay Clark's sidekick as well. He also has Shaw Holmes. He, he's, he's like a jack of all trades. <laughs> oh, thank you, Amanda. Thank you for the nice intro. And I just want to say, first of all, isn't it wonderful that as bad as everything was on this Friday for Jesus, we get to call it Good Friday Amen. because it's so good for us. I loved your prayer there uh, opening up. It just, uh, honestly, I just really felt the presence of God while you were praying. And I'm just uh, I'm so thankful for this day because it is such a good Friday. And thanks for having me on. Uh, we love to have you on, Aaron. We love you and Deb and my little nephew, Flynn. <laughs> and my other two nephews, Tank and Tugger. Oh, yeah. They're downstairs. It's beautiful outside. So they're out there playing right now. We're getting there here in New York. The weather's getting there. Next week, I think we're going to slide in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just well, spring full time. We thaw earlier than New York. For sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very true. I've been to Oklahoma. It was beautiful there when we came to Tulsa a couple right. weeks ago. Um, and then we came back and it was like 40 degrees, 35 degrees in New York. Oh, I don't miss those days. You know, I used to live in Michigan and actually also lived in Alaska for a little while. So wow. I, do, I do not miss the cold. I am thankful for the warmth of Oklahoma <laughs> here in God's country. You know, you are in God's country. Praise the Lord. So Aaron, your dad. Yeah. Was a very talented man. Yeah. You know, um, something I don't know if I've ever told you, but I was thinking about this today and I, I was wanted to remember to tell you this. Uh, my father passed away on January 30th of 2002. And um, right before he passed away, just a couple days before he passed away, this is a true story. I sat in the living room with him, my brother, Joe, myself, and my sister's husband, Rion. We sat in the living room and my dad said to us, you know, someday I think you guys should run a home building company. Aaron, you could be over the wow. school marketing. Um, Joe, you can be over the production. And Rion, you can be over the accounting. And you know what we do today? We all three of us are in those positions at Shaw Homes. So it's really kind of interesting. My dad, many things in his life, he was very prophetic in a lot of things. These paintings that we're getting ready to talk about are one of those things. It was, of course, it started with a vision that my dad had a long, long time ago, back in, in 1989, he had an open vision where he saw the crucifixion of Jesus right wow. in front of his face. I was with him when this happened. Um, our whole family was actually with him when this happened. And then um, just uh, like two years later, he had a second open vision and he saw the birth of Christ, the nativity, and he painted both. And then after he got done painting them, he was praying about it. And he's like, Lord, I'm a wildlife artist. He was, my dad was the Ducks Unlimited uh, National Artist of the Year. He was also the Whitetails Unlimited National Artist of the Year. He painted all kinds of animals, you name it, deer, ducks, anything that had fur or feathers, he's painted it. Oh, he would have loved me. Oh, yeah, yeah. My dad, <laughs> he would have loved you for sure. Um, so he painted all those things and he's like, what am I supposed to do? you know, that's what I do. I do wildlife art. And it was really interesting because the Lord said, it's time to turn from wildlife to eternal life. I've shown you my son's birth and my son's mm -hmm. death. Now it's time for you to paint the reason for both. And isn't it just so characteristic of what God does with all of us? He takes us from this wildlife that we live and he translates us over into the kingdom of his dear son into eternal life. And so just like my dad's career went in painting, this is what happens, you know, in our lives when we give our life to the Lord. So um, the one I really was excited to share with you today, and I know we've talked about this a bunch, uh, to talk about what a lot of people call the Last Supper. And my dad was such a positive person. He didn't want to call it the Last Supper. He's like, that sounds too morbid. I'm not calling it that. So my dad called it the First Communion. And that's what this wow. was. And um, he always kept it on the positive. And um, what's so beautiful about this is this is covenant talk. And I think a lot of people don't understand covenant 
in our current culture. You know, they they think of a covenant like a contract, like, oh, I wrote a contract to buy a house. But if I change my mind, I can just get out of the contract or, you know, oh, I made a promise to this person. But if I change my mind or circumstances change, I can get out of that promise. But a covenant, as far as the Bible is concerned, is very serious business and it is not something that is broken. And so, um, you know, there's so many you know phrases in our English language like I'm a man of my word or my word is my bond or you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no, or I'll swear to my own herd and change not. Like these are all phrases that are covenant language. Yes. And yes. if you look at the Bible, it is filled from cover to cover with covenant language in so many ways that we don't even understand. And I think the most important scripture, like as it relates to this painting that I love is Matthew chapter five, verse 17 and 18. And this, these verses say, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle mm -hmm. shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Well, here's the thing. This is a covenant promise right here. He's literally saying, till heaven and earth pass away, not one thing's going to change until I make this all come to fulfillment. And you'll see how he did this through this painting. So um, if you'll pull that up on screen, I think it'd be That's great nice. for the viewers to be able to see this. Um, this painting, of course, is, you know, really the, you know, the first communion. And this is leading right up to that moment when Jesus is going to be crucified. There you go. Um, that, that that last one was actually the washing of the disciples' feet, which also yes. happened at the same dinner there. Mm -hmm. But um, so here you've got the first communion. And so this moment is a moment where they're going through the Passover dinner. And the thing is, is for these men who are here at this dinner, um, which, by the way, I do have to point one thing out. So many people have seen that Last Supper painting where yes. they're all lined up and it's like the one that hangs on every Catholic person's wall. Um, they must have made reservations for a table for 26 because, you know, you had the 12 disciples plus Jesus and then they all sat on one side. Like that is not <laughs> what it would have been like. You would have needed a table for 26 for that, you know, booking at a restaurant. I'm just saying. So um, but this is a more accurate depiction of what it actually would have been in that day. People, when they would eat dinner would lay on their left hand side, they would eat with their right hand. That was how they ate. And they kind of were reclined like at a bench around a table. So this would have been a Passover meal. Now, Jesus being 33 would have really, he would have already you know, gone through 32 of these in his life. And so would all the men around him. So this is a very common practice for them. So to the Jew, this is the Passover meal. This is a meal they've done over and over again. It comes at the end of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so, you know, Jesus celebrated it a lot. To the Christian, we would call this the First Communion. Um, so, right. you know, this um, whole story, let me just kind of give a little, for people who maybe don't know this entire story, I think it's good to get some context to this. So, um, Israel was in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. Yes. God mm -hmm. tells them he's going to bring them out of bondage and out of slavery. That's what we call the Exodus, or in other words, 
exit us. We're going to exit out. <laughs> exit us. We so, need an exit us right now. Yeah, America needs one of those right about now, don't we? Okay. So, um, so like Exodus chapter 12 is where this story comes in. And um, I'll just read a little bit of this so people sure. can get the context. So it says, speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your yes. lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted it in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hands. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. With the blood, uh, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of America. I mean, Egypt. Um, so it's like, this is a moment in time where they have to take this very seriously. This is not a joke. This is like God is saying, hey, you better put this blood over your doorpost. There's so many things in this, in this event that's happening that are so incredible that Jesus fulfills so perfectly at this meal. So now I'm going to read you Matthew chapter 26 Okay. Verse 17 through 29. And then we're going to go into all this stuff in the painting. And I think, okay. I know you have some insight to throw in here, but there's so much good in these verses. So Matthew 20, 17, it says, Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that, thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say to him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then mm. Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, 
this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them. Yeah, I have mine too. Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth, henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen. So go to back to this painting, and I want you to, if you can, can you uh, uh, go to the, yeah, go to the last, yeah, the next one. There you go. Can you zoom in on Jesus and the cups that are kind of sitting in front of him there at all? Is that a is that a technology thing that you can do? They might be able to do it while we're talking. Cut okay. It okay. So um, as you can kind of see there, there's these lamp, lamps that are on the table here. This is very interesting. People don't really maybe, a lot of people don't understand what happens at this meal. Well, these oil lamps before the meal they're lit by a woman. And this is representative of wow. because the light of the world came through a woman named Mary. And that's why a woman, wow. those oil lamps, what is she lighting? What is the oil in the lamp? Uh -huh. The Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates it. And through the Holy Spirit, Mary brought the light into the world. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Um, and then another perspective here is the positions at the table. So go back to that image and pull up that um, full image there. We only know the position of four people at the table here. And you'll notice Jesus is the one holding the cup there and facing towards us. And the person who would be to Jesus left, that's Judas. I, I thought so because of the look on his face. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the reason the reason that we know this is because in that at that time in the culture, when you would everybody would lean on their left arm and eat with their right hand. If you're if Jesus were to lean on his left arm right now, who would be the only person behind him? It would be Judas. Yeah. And and what you would do is the master at the table, the master at the table would have the guest of honor, so to speak, would have his most trusted person sit in the only position that somebody could stab him in the back from. Wow. So we know Judas was the one who carried the money. Yes. And so he was the most trusted position. So he's in the position to stab him in the back, which is so interesting because remember, mm -hmm. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. That's right. And so this is all going to play out here in just a few hours, right? And then we know from John telling us the self-proclaimed, um, of course, repeatedly self-proclaimed one that Jesus loves. We know that he leaned back on Jesus' chest that evening. So we know he was the one to his right. And then the only other person we know for sure where his position is, is if you go all the way around the table to the far right side of the picture, uh -huh. that's where Peter is. And that would be this the position of the servant at the meal. And so that servant person would normally go around and wash the feet of everybody at the table. Wow. And so it's really interesting because at this dinner, you know, right before this, Jesus washed the disciples' feet and he started at Judas. And when he came all the way around, the last one that he came to was Peter. And at that point, Peter's absolute humiliation 
for this because Peter's nose was a little bent out of shape because he was the natural born leader. And yet here he is sitting at the servant's position at the table. So those are the things that we know from scripture. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this meal because it's very interesting. So the Passover lamb, right? In the time before the crucifixion that's about to happen, it was the time of the examination of the lambs. So right before Passover, there's the, you know, right before this crucifixion time, this is when in Jewish culture, they would be doing the examination of the lambs looking yes. for the ones without spot or blemish. Well, what happened to Jesus right before they crucified him? They examined him. They brought him in and examined him and interrogated him like one of the lambs, right? Yes. And checking to see if he had spot or blemish. And then a very interesting thing, this is during the, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's right at the end of that. Well, leaven in scripture or the yeast that you put in bread is a, a type and a shadow of sin, right? Yes. So you've got this sin element here. And during this period coming up to the Passover meal, if you're going to celebrate, celebrate Passover, you go and you remove all of the leaven from your house over the two days preceding Passover. Yes. So you remove all the sin. What did Jesus do when he walked into the temple and saw the money changers right before this? Uh, well, Jesus in, 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 uh, an act that would make any Bronx Italian man proud went in and flipped every table on them, chased them with chains and cleared out the temple. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never thought about it as a Bronx Italian, I'm but, kidding. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of like, you know, it was the, it was the only way to clear it out. Really. When he walked in, really the only way to clear the debauchery out that he was watching yep. was to do what he did. Yeah, absolutely. And right before you celebrate the Passover, that's what you do is you go through your house and you remove all the leaven from your home for this feast of unleavened bread, that's what they would yes, be doing, right? Coming up to this Passover. And then the bread that they would eat was called matzah bread. Like and this here. There's an interesting, can you explain about the matzah, Aaron, and the interesting yeah. features of matzah bread? Oh, yeah. yeah, matzah is so cool. I think in the folder I shared with you, I also show, there's a piece of yes, matzah. Yes, there bread. it is. Thank you. So, um, when you look at this piece of matzo bread, isn't it interesting? You can see like dots and dashes, or in other words, stripes. Mm -hmm. It's got stripes on it and it's been pierced through. What else do you know that is without sin, no leaven in it, that had stripes laid on his back and he was pierced through? Isn't this interesting that this entire thing for hundreds of years is foreshadowing the stripes on Jesus back and the fact that he's going to be pierced through with nails, pierced through with a spear. It's such an amazing thing. I mean, he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And then another thing that you have at the table is what's called marar or yes. bitter herbs. And bitter that was herbs, yes. Yeah. Isn't that horseradish? They use horseradish, I, I believe, in the Passover it meal. 
it's what we would call horseradish, yeah. but it's a little different for them. It's we would we would struggle to eat their horseradish, but yeah. Very <laughs> And then, um, so then two days before the meal, you remove all the leaven from the house. You get all of that sin out of your father's house. The kids help with this. And then the next thing that happens is they go to the eating of the meal. Well, I, I just want to point something out here because we're going to come to a very important part of this matzah bread. They actually have three pieces of matzah bread. Okay. Yes, they do. In the afikomen, they put it. Afikomen. Yes. That's right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting to is the office. <laughs> so you're on it. You know, you know. So you've got the three pieces of bread, unleavened bread represent Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. OK, so the middle one there being Isaac. So in Genesis chapter 22, we can read the story about how, you know, Abraham took Isaac up to Mount Moriah and yes, he goes so. up there. It's a three day journey. I think we know that's a three-day journey. He goes up there. He carries the wood on him when he carries him up. He takes him up on a donkey. We know somebody else who came into Jerusalem on a donkey. Um, he goes up there and he's going to offer, you know, Isaac. And Abraham says, it's okay, son. Don't worry about it. You know, and he takes him up there. And it says, Abraham, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the donkey and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. He says, we're both coming back. Um, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father. He, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. And where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, they both of them together and they came to the place which God told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of the heaven. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld my son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by its, his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Now, it's so interesting. What is a ram when it's younger? Oh, it's a lamb. It is a lamb. Yes. It's a male lamb. Yeah. And it becomes. I, I have one named Moses. Go on. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I love I love the picture I have of me and Moses. It's Moses and Aaron hanging out. Wait, I may have that. Hold on. Keep talking. I'll see if yeah, we have yeah. it in here. That was one of my favorite pictures. Um, so the ram, which is a lamb, 
who is fully matured, right? Yes. Has its horns caught in the thorns. And what do thorns represent? Thorns represent sin. You know, remember back to Genesis, right? In Genesis, yes. God curses the ground and he says, in thorns and thistles, you'll toil, right? Yes. So sin is the thorns. So the ram has caught on its head thorns. What other lamb do we know who has a crown of thorns on his head later? Yeshua. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Missy has just let herself into the room. She has hit the door and opened it herself. This is what I'm dealing with at the ark. What are you doing? You want to say, okay, say hi, Uncle Aaron. Hi, how are you? <laughs> she just wanted to listen in. She probably wants to come take communion with us. She, I think Missy has shown up to come take communion with us. I'm actually looking to see if I have the picture of you guys oh, uh, be here. Cause I think I have it. All of them. I have, Oh, these pictures of when I was watching Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. You can, oh, you here can, it is. You got I'm going to send it to our team to get up. Hold on. Oh, cool. Yep. That's Moses and Aaron. Okay. Not the original from, you know, the Bible, Moses and Aaron. I'm going to email it to our team right now so they can get it up. Oh, cool. Okay. So, oh, there's our close-up. That's awesome. So you can see here with um, the close-up of the, um, the cups and Jesus, and you can see the look on Judah's face there a okay, little bit better as well. So um, there's four cups here and notice that he is drinking He's, he's got in his hand the third of the four cups, okay? I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but I want to kind of wrap up this idea about Isaac, and then I'll come right back to that. So you've got the three pieces of matzah, which is the unleavened bread, which represent Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? What they do at the Passover meal is they take the middle one, which is Isaac. You break the bread in half. Like this. Yeah. Okay. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he's doing this supper. And we don't realize this is what he's saying. So you break it in half. You take half of it and you wrap it in a linen. Yes. Now this is a whole matzo we're talking here. You break the yes. whole matzo in half. Yes. Yeah. And then you take half of it and you wrap it in linen and then you go and hide it. Isn't this interesting? So uh -huh. Isaac... Isaac it, it's is very incredible. interesting. Consider Jesus was wrapped. Yeah, Jesus was wrapped in linen. He is. He was Isaac on that mountaintop. God said, "I will provide the lamb myself." There's so many interesting things about this Isaac scenario. We could go into it in great depth, but um, so it's wrapped in linen. Then you go and hide it after the supper at a Passover. The kids go and find it. And after supper, when they find it, you take it and you dip it in the marar, the bitter yes. herb, uh -huh. it, which represents the sorrows, and then you eat that. So this is what Jesus did after supper. He took the Isaac bread, which is called the afikomen, which yep, means the, the one to come later, or the coming one is another way we translate it. So you take the afikomen, dip it in the marar, 
And it's the replacement for Isaac at this point. And it means the coming one or the one who comes after. So this represents just kind of that whole symbolism of what he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. That's what he came for, right? Amen. Yes, he did. And then you've got, you know, John chapter 13, you have where the whole encounter happens. Now, what did they say at the Passover meal? They said, whatever you do, don't go out into the night, right? They said, stay inside. You've got the doorposts with blood. And isn't it interesting, you know, that you have the two doorposts on either side and then the one up above, where was the blood on Jesus? He was pierced and on top. So um, it's just more symbolism, the wood, he was on a cross. I mean, there's so much here. But in John chapter 13, it says, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked at at one at another, doubting of whom he spake. Mm -hmm. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. (laughs) Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of him of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, uh, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped the afikomen in the marar. And then he dipped the sop and he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. And we know right after this that Judas in verse 30 received the sop went immediately out and it was nighttime. So he went out. like He left the covering. He left the covering. Mm -hmm. The other thing is he was given the marar because he was going to join in the bitter herbs and the suffering shortly after this. And so isn't it just so interesting? Um, Just all of this symbolism is so incredible how he fulfills all of this. So, um, Then, uh, you know, let's get to the four cups. This is one of the most interesting parts of this entire meal. So um, Jesus had four cups in front of him and he's drinking from that third cup, right? Yes. There's such great significance in these cups. So interestingly, there are four cups. In, In Hebrew, the number four actually is a symbol called a dalet. Yeah, it yes, is, it is a picture of a door. Oh, so who said who is the door? The door Jesus. of the people. Jesus is the door. Isn't that interesting? Now, there are people who say that, and there are some who, who actually celebrate this with five cups. The number four means door. The number five, Amanda, you'll appreciate, of course, means grace. So oh, wow. It means grace. Door of grace. There you go. The door, door of grace. grace. Uh-huh. And so, you know, and then if we you think about the four cups and the door, the blood and the door on Passover, again, just more symbolism of him fulfilling the law and the prophets in so many incredible ways. So um, the number four means door. Passover is the appointed time that commemorates the Israelites applying the blood of the lamb to the lentils and doorposts, 
Without this act of obedience through faith, the death angel would have smitten Israel's firstborn. That's uh, right. Sons, along with the Egyptians during the 10th plague. Yep, Moreover, Yeshua declares himself the door in John chapter 10, verse 9. That's where we come across that scripture. It says, I am the door. Uh -huh. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So he literally says, I am the door. If you enter through me, you're going to be saved. He literally just in John 10 verse 9 fulfills the Passover in that statement. It's incredible. Um, wow. And then it's all those in covenant with Yahweh by faith apply the lamb's blood to the doorpost of their hearts. There's always been one way to the father. Um, since Jesus and Passover is that entryway or that doorway to covenant. He is striking a covenant at this moment. And I just want to point something out. When in the Old Testament, when they would have covenant, they would cut themselves and mingle their blood together. Well, if you take, you know, if I was to take a, a cup of grape juice in this hand and a cup of grape juice in this hand and put an empty cup in the middle and I pour this yeah. into that one, and I pour this into that one. Now I've got it all in one cup. Can you separate the grape juice from one cup from the grape juice from another cup at this point? No, the two have become one. That is what a covenant is. It is the two becoming one. And just in a few minutes in John chapter 14, 15, 16, he's going to say, I and the Father are one, and now you and I are one. He's about to tell them this. He's, this is all covenant language here. And so, you know, uh, Passover is that entryway or that door into covenant with God. Outside the covenant or outside the door, the enemy... Uh, it's a really interesting the illustration of Cain... You know, sin crouches outside at the door. Yes. Uh -huh. He said that and, to Cain, yes. Yeah, it, it's exactly that sort of concept as well. So let's talk about each one of these cups. This is Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7 here, which is so good. Um, if you go to that, those verses, I'm going to kind of read them to you, but these four cups are represented in these two verses in Exodus chapter 6. And if you're listening... Go look it up in your Bible so you can follow along there. But it says, therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. This is where the Passover meal comes from. So the first cup is the cup of sanctification. And this is the one where he says, I will bring you out. Yes. And that's what being sanctified is. I mean, think about the Israelites. They're the set apart ones. They're his chosen ones. I will bring you out of bondage. And now as a new, new Testament believer, he's saying, I will set you apart. Amen. I will bring you out. That's what he's saying here. And so we're set apart. And then um, the next one, and, and a lot of times, by the way, in Hebrew, this is called the Kiddush cup, but Kiddush is just 
uh, Hebrew for sanctification. Oh, Kaddish, yeah, Kaddish cup, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 my Hebrew's not good. You, you're better <laughs> pronouncing. It's a little Italian accent at all, too, so. It does. Yeah. Um, the second cup is the cup of deliverance. This is the phrase, I will rescue you. This is also known as the cup of praise because if you're going to be rescued, you're going to have some praise in that. Amen. Right? So, yes. um, after the story of Exodus, like the ultimate account of liberation from slavery, you know, they read that first and then the cup of praise is drank right after they read yes. that story because they're praising God for it. And I think that's such an amazing symbol there. And then the third cup is called the cup of redemption. And this is why my dad painted him holding this cup in his hand. Interesting. This, one, this one is so interesting. Um, it's also called the cup of Elijah. Is yes, they do leave a place for Elijah at the table. Exactly. At Passover, they set a place for Elijah always. Yes, that is correct. So, um, so this third cup stands for I will redeem you from those verses. This is the this is actually the cup we observe in communion now. That's what we observe. Because he said, This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, right? As he's holding this cup. And um, it's the beginning of a covenant unlike any other. And you know, I've done other teachings in the past on all the covenants. There's eight different covenants God had with man. We broke all of them. And yeah. then that's why Jesus had to come. And he was like, okay, I'm going to do it for you people. You can't seem to get this straight, you know. You know, if if you think too, eight is the number of new beginnings. So we we needed him to come to, yeah. to, to reset, yes. to help us because we had broken all eight. And it is the number of new beginnings, which is also why they circumcise on the eighth day, because that's the new beginning, which is also a sign of the covenant of, you know, passing your seed on to the next generation and the yes, covenant yes. goes to the next generation. So, um, so then um, this cup of redemption is drank after the meal and after the afikomen is found. And so that's when they'll go through this drinking of this, this cup. The third cup also has particular significance, obviously, for us, because it's the one for the, you know, communion. So we, we really enjoy this cup and a lot of times don't really realize there's other cups as well. The fourth cup is called the cup of restoration. And this is from the verse that says, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. In other words, I will restore you back to how it was with Adam. That's literally what he's saying right here, what's being said right here. And so Jesus at this meal does not drink from this cup. He does not drink from the fourth cup. And it, he says um, in here, he tells the disciples that he will not drink from it until he drinks it new with us in his father's kingdom. I, I think this is probably one of the coolest things ever because if you're a believer, I believe what is going to happen. Everyone partakes, you know, in, in Passover, they partake of this. It's called also called the cup of acceptance. But think about it this way. He says, I'm not going to drink from it until I drink from it new in my father's kingdom. When the rapture happens and we go to the marriage supper of the lamb, which is the next thing that's going to happen in scripture, 
I believe that is the time at which he is going to get the fourth cup out and we are going to take communion from that cup, the cup that is the cup of full restoration where I will take you as my people and I will be your God because that's when we go into the millennial kingdom is shortly after that. And that's in Matthew chapter 26, if somebody wants to read it in 27 through 29. Then let's talk for a moment about the fifth cup, because I think this one has a very interesting place as well. And I can see why people do it. And I think Jewish people who do it don't really maybe understand it, but they will someday. Um, And this one is called the cup of wrath, actually. Five stands for grace, but without the wrath of God, he would be unjust. Yes, that's true. And grace overcomes the wrath. So this is very interesting because Jesus is literally the only one who can drink from this cup. We've proven this throughout the Bible. Yes. And so I think in John chapter 19, verse 28, I think that when he is hanging there on the cross and he says, I am thirsty, I think he is saying, Father, I am ready to take the cup of wrath in the place of all of mankind. I am ready to take this cup. And I believe in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what he's saying. Father, if it's in your will, take this cup away from me. I believe he's talking about this cup cup of wrath. And then he's resolved himself to it in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he's hanging on the cross in John 19, 28, I believe that's the point at which he says, Father, I'm ready. I will take that cup that I asked you to take away. I am thirsty. I am, he says, thirsty. And he takes that cup. And that is such an amazing thing because that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And without paying that price, you know, we couldn't have the grace that we have today. And that's what's so awesome about what he did. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And and that's what's so beautiful in this painting. I'm going to give you a couple of things just real quick, and then we're going to take communion that are the ways that Jesus fulfilled the law. And these are just some things that have blessed me so much. I just love sharing them with people. I'm going to just bullet point through them really quick. Okay. And then I'll tell you something interesting about the Afikomen. Something oh, very fascinating. You, you go first. I want to hear it. Oh, you want to hear it? Okay. And we also have the picture of you and Moses. Oh, okay. So if Let's you want us to show that and put that up quick, we have the picture yeah, yeah. of Let's Aaron and Moses when they were here. There is Aaron and Moses. Oh, that's for awesome. All to see. <laughs> it's very different, very different than how a lot of people right now, Amanda, are probably going, this is not how I, I pictured this in the Pentateuch. Um, this looks very different. Um yeah, different Aaron and Moses. <laughs> Aaron and Moses. So the Afi Coleman, when it's uh when it's wrapped and it's hidden, the children then have to go find it. Right. But when they find it, they're supposed to get a prize. So when they find it and they bring it to, you know, the, the head of the household, and the head of the household says, What would you like? Because you found this. this is and true. say the child says, I want a bike. He says, well, I don't have a bike right now, but I'm going to give you this coin as a promise that Mm. the bike is to come. And that 
represents the whole the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. They oh, know yeah. him as Ruach Elohim in the Old Testament. He's Ruach HaKadosh in the New Testament, but that is the Afikomen. Absolutely. He is the, um, you know, the pledge or the down payment of the inheritance, essentially. Yes. He, is, he seals us for that day. Yes. Yeah, that is that is amazing. I love that. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to run through a couple of ways Jesus fulfilled the law. And okay. these are just amazing. So Adam had one law to follow and he failed. Don't, Don't touch the tree. Yeah. Yeah. Like one thing. <laughs> Okay, and then Jesus had hundreds of laws to fulfill. Think about it this way. If you've ever read the book of Leviticus, you're like, don't oh, know if you can do all that. Jesus, the law, you know, the law is the first five books. He fulfilled all of it. He literally and figuratively nailed it, you know. Yeah. And then each covenant that we went through, man tried and failed, God just kept giving more and more opportunities, but you know, Jesus, he nailed it first time. And then Abraham and Isaac, the father and the only begotten beloved son, the son of promise, the miraculous son, and then you've got Father God and Jesus, a, a fulfillment. You have, here's some cool ones, Joseph. Joseph in the book of Genesis was sold for 20 pieces of silver by his brothers, right? What was Jesus sold for by one of his brothers? 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of gold or silver, I mean, is what Judas sold him for, right? This is just another fulfillment of this. Interestingly, when Joseph then becomes the prime minister of Egypt, the brothers come and they don't recognize him for who he is. And what did the Israelites do when Jesus came? His brothers didn't recognize him for who he is. Isn't that interesting? And then, um, and oh, by the way, Joseph was second in command of everything. What is Jesus? Yep. Second in command of everything. Jesus' brothers, the Hebrews, you know, it's like they're the perfect representation of uh, uh, Joseph's brothers are the perfect representation of what Jews are today. It's really yeah. wild. And then um, Joseph is falsely accused by his brothers, but is totally innocent. Jesus is falsely accused by his brothers and is also totally innocent. Moses is a perfect type of Jesus. In fact, if you just look at Moses' life, I mean, literally, it's like the story of Jesus. The whole thing is yes. its amazing. But he was standing there at the burning bush. It appears to him. Well, when I was in Israel, we saw those bushes. It's really more like a tree, actually, but they, it's yeah. translated as bush. But it's an acacia tree. The acacia tree is filled with thorns, okay? Thorns represent sin. It's on fire. It's burning with fire. Fire represents judgment. It, it does. They were on fire, but never consumed. The, the right. nation of Israel. They, that, that's what that bush represents too. They were on fire, that nation in bondage and slavery, so, but they were never consumed. And Jesus has the thorns put on him. Uh -huh. He goes to hell, to the fires of hell, and is never consumed. That's it right. is just amazing how that plays out. And then Joshua, 
This is so interesting. Also, the name Yeshua, Jesus Yeshua, Joshua Yeshua. Joshua carries the body of Joseph into the promised land. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus has his body carried into the tomb by Joseph of Arimathea. Isn't That's that interesting? Amazing. That is interesting. Time after time after time. And one last one, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and he goes through this town called Bethpage, which is just over the Mount of Olives from where the Temple Mount is. And Jesus curses the fig tree before he yes. comes in, right? Well, fig, what did in, in Adam, in, in the book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve are, when they sin, what is God? what do they try and do? They try and cover themselves mm-hmm. with fig leaves. Yes. Fig leaves are a way of trying to cover yourself with sin. What does Jesus do as he's coming in to come to the crucifixion and the resurrection? He curses our way of covering ourselves with sin or covering the sins with fig leaves. He curses our method of covering our own sins as he's walking in to give us the better way of covering our own sins with the blood of Jesus. It is so amazing how he just keeps fulfilling the law and the prophets over and over and over and over again. It's incredible. It's incredible. Amen. Yeah. And so um, I think what I'd like to do is um, unless if there's anything else you want to add in there, that's uh, I do want to say one other thing, I guess, is like if somebody wants to go check out the paintings, um, there's a whole bunch of them there. I've shown um, obviously the one today, but there were 12 paintings there. And if you go to shawholmes.com forward slash paintings, which is up on the screen there, you can see all of the paintings that I love that one. That one is my favorite of Jesus and Nicodemus. And I'll tell you why actually the print I had tour, I was so upset, but, um, yes, it tore. So that image of Jesus, when I had Aaron on for the first time, um, I think it was late last year. Yep. And about two weeks before I had him on, I literally had an open vision. I was awake. My eyes were shut. Um, I was a little tired and exhausted and, and trying to persevere through. And I saw this man walking towards me and he had the white hood on and the white garment and he had the black hair and the mustache and the the exact image of Jesus in that pit. And he was walking towards me and smiling at his sandals on. It was Jesus. That's I amazing. saw Yeshua two weeks before you showed that painting. When I didn't even know that painting existed. I, know. I saw the that exact image that is in that painting. I remember when you told me about that. And, you know, my dad just painted um, Jesus the way that he saw him. I mean, in, in the vision he had in the first one. And so it's that's pretty cool. Well, I, and by the way, if anybody wants those paintings, um, I I put them on there for $77 because, you know, seven's the number of completion. And so anybody can get them for $77. We'll send them to your home. And all of the proceeds from those paintings goes to Ark of Grace Ministries. We just donate that back Thank to you, Ark of Grace and just to be a blessing. Very to generous. You guys. 
we we love what you're doing. We believe in you, Amanda, and everything you're doing. So we just want to be a blessing to you guys. So if anybody will go on there and do that, and if anybody also, if anybody gets one of those prints and you want to purchase one, if you do it within the next 24 hours, if you'll just take a, a screenshot or a, take a picture of your receipt there on your checkout screen, and if you will text it to 918-851-0102, that's Clay Clark's phone number. 918-851-0102. That's our phone number for the Reawaken America tour. Then um, you will be entered for an opportunity to win a backstage pass to the next Reawaken America tour, which is going to be May 12th and 13th at Trump Doral in Miami. We go to Trump Doral. I'm oh, ready. Yeah. yeah. So if you get one of the prints, you're entered for a backstage pass. Anybody who sends that to Clay's cell phone number in the next 24 hours will enter you for a backstage pass. Come back, meet Eric Trump and... You know, Peter Navarro, Cash Patel, Amanda Grace, um, Clay, myself, whomever, you know, we've got 70 speakers at this next event. So um, anyways, if anybody wants to do that, um, you can go to shawholmes.com forward slash paintings and we'll get you taken care of. And then um, just kind of to, to finish this thing out, I wanted to um, just offer for people to take communion with us. Yes. Um, you know, we're going to um, just... It's so amazing when you think about the covenant that we have. And there's a, one of my favorite things in scripture is um, when you look at the end of the story, right before the guards are coming and seizing Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, you know, the whole Malchus's ear gets cut off. Peter, you know, tries that. And Judas and Jesus puts it back up. on. Jesus puts it back on and um, Judas comes up and kisses Jesus. And yes. that's how they know that he's the one. The interesting thing here is Jesus uses the exact same word here. When he talks to Judas, he calls him friend with a capital F. Now, this word is the same word that God used with Abram when he turned him into Abraham and went into covenant with Abraham, he called him friend, which is different with a capital F. It's saying, you are my covenant brother. So literally, as Judas is betraying him, kissing him on the cheek, he says, you might have betrayed me, but I will still call you my friend. And that is one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible because I know there's got to be people watching right now that you're watching and you're going, I have done something so terrible. You don't know what I've done. I have had so much sin in my life. I have a past. Yeah. I have not repented for all these things. I just want to point out to you that it is not too late. If you are listening to this broadcast, it is not too late. All you need to do is recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. And you will be like, there were two thieves hanging on the cross next to Jesus, okay? Yes. Both of them are guilty of their sin. Both of them deserve to die. But one of them denies him and the other one says, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, can I be there? And he says, I'll see you in paradise. 
The man didn't drop down off the cross and go join his local Baptist church or Catholic church or whatever kind of church. He didn't go get water baptized, right? He didn't go do anything but recognize him as Lord and repent for who he was. And if you'll do that right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, and then we're going to take communion, okay? Okay. okay. <laughs> Father God, we just come before you today, and we recognize this covenant that you have laid in front of us, this opportunity that you have laid in front of us. And we accept your son, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. I make you Lord now in my life, and I ask you to tell me all the ways that I can change, but I can get better for the future, but I accept the forgiveness for the past today. <clears throat> and I, I repent of my sins. I turn from the direction I've been going in, and I'm going to turn towards you. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you did that today, you are a new creation. You are in covenant with Almighty God. So um, now Amen. I want to take a moment here and I'd like to go ahead and uh, let me get this verse pulled back up here. Give me just one second here. Uh, actually, let me switch over here. I've got one I'm going to read. So um, that's not the one I'm looking for here. Uh, all right. So uh, we'll read from Mark here real quick in chapter 14, verse 22 through 25. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them, and said, take, this is my body, and let's go ahead and eat now in remembrance of him. Thank you, Father. And then he took a cup that is the cup we now know about, the third cup, right? <clears throat> oh, you've got a better cup than me. This is my one I got in <laughs> Jerusalem. Uh, Deb and I got these when we were just there. It's my little wooden cup. Oh, It's authentic. Yes, so, it is. Very. Um, it's made out of olive wood, actually. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, and it is for the remission of sins. Thank you, Lord. We take it now. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And, you know, um, I always, um, a lot of times when I, I talk to a lot of new believers um, at our <clears throat> Reawaken tour, a lot of times there's people who have just recently given their life to the Lord and they'll yes. come up and talk to me. I mean, I know you've talked to many of them. I've talked to many of them. And what I hear from people a lot of time is I know that Jesus forgives everything I did before, but I keep messing up. Like, what do I do about that? 
And I would just, you know, recommend that you go to 1 John 1, 9, that says, um, he, you know, that he who is without sin, sorry, let me get, get the exact, so I don't, I'm going to butcher it. Um, because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here's the thing. I think a lot of people, you know, they, they feel like, um, you know, they're not in right standing, but that doesn't have anything to do with being in right standing. I mean, we can feel like whatever we want, but the thing is, is that we have this forgiveness, this covenant that he made, you know, in the verse right before it, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. So it's yeah. good that you know you have sin in your life. But if we claim to be without it, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But the next verse says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, and he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we get his righteousness he took our sin, and it's just such a beautiful picture of the covenant of God. And so, Amanda, thank you so much for letting me come and share about my dad's painting today. I love sharing it with you. And I'm going to send you a new copy of the Nicodemus. Print. Oh, thank you, Aaron. I yeah. love that picture. I was so upset when it happened when we moved offices. That oh, tour, yeah. because I love that picture because I saw. Yep. I'm going to get you a new one. I'll get it. I'll get it sent out to you here real soon. I think I could send it out probably tomorrow for you. So. Oh, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us, Aaron. We always love having you on. All right. I'm glad to be here. It's good to see you. And I'm sure I'll see you again soon. Say we'll hi to Moses soon. for me. I will hi to Deb and all my nephews. We love all them. All right. See you. Okay. Bye. All right, bye. And that concludes our interview with Aaron Antis. Uh, he's always so filled. He's a wonderful teacher, Aaron. He does most definitely have a teaching gift. And so we love having him on. So a couple of announcements before we end. At about five o'clock PM Eastern Standard Time, I am coming back on live because I received a very crucial and pivotal word from the Lord that I have to put out today on Good Friday. So I, I'm going live again about five o'clock PM Eastern Standard Time today, Friday, uh, to deliver that word. So you will see us go live again and I will be on for that. This Monday, the 10th, we are doing our live Passover Seder. Gus will be joining us for that Seder as well. Um, and so you can go to Amanda Grace, the number for him, H-I-M, um, blogspot.com because your Passover shopping list, our team has put together a wonderful Passover shopping list and even some recipes you can make for Passover if you would like to do the Passover meal with us. Everything you need is on the blog. We are doing it Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because that is closer to sundown. So I wanted to announce that as well. So thank you to everyone for joining us. It is it has been a wonderful time together on Good Friday uh, with Aaron. And uh, thank you to our team. And we will be back on in about, well, just about a half an hour, everyone. So I'll see you very shortly. Keep the faith. Armor up according to Ephesians chapter six. We love you. And we will be back on soon. God bless everyone. Hello everyone, this is Amanda Grace and I wanted to tell you, if you are interested in 
where you should invest financial matters. If precious metals, if gold and silver is something that you should invest in or should be a part of your portfolio, please go to bh-pm.com. That is bh-pm.com. Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Andrew Sorcini, who has been on Art of Grace before, he loves to answer our viewers' questions, is more than happy to guide you and to answer your questions and to help you in those financial matters. So please go to bh-pm.com today. Thank you, everyone. God bless. You want to support an amazing patriot that's doing so much for our country and be a blessing, you can go to mypillow.com and use promo code ARK, A-R-K, to save up to 66% or sometimes more off of all MyPillow products. They are so much more than just pillows. They have amazing bathrobes, they have sheets, they have slippers, they of course have pillows, and they even have dog beds. And I will tell you a fun fact, Noble, our pig at the animal sanctuary that many of you know and love, has indeed slept on a MyPillow dog bed. So if you'd like to be a blessing, go to MyPillow.com and use promo code ARC. God bless everyone. If you are looking for an excellent doctor, if you are looking to get healthier, if you are looking for guidance, go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Amanda Grace. Dr. Mark Sherwood and his lovely wife, Dr. Michelle, have the Functional Medical Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Both myself and my husband, Chris, and let me tell you, God bless Dr. Sherwood because Chris was a tough nut to crack on this. But Chris is finally on board and we are both patients of his. I have to tell you, they have helped us tremendously. They also have an amazing line of products that are excellent for your health and can help you get your health back on track. So if you would like to make an appointment with them or you want to go see uh, what they are all about, what products they have, you can go to Sherwood.tv forward slash Amanda Grace. If you would like to grow your own food with what we see going on right now in the world with not only food supplies, but what they are doing to our food, you can go to amandagracegrows.com. These are amazing hydroponic growers. In fact, we have one in our parrot room, and this is an indoor one we have where you can grow food all year round, actually. Vegetables all year round. And we are doing that, actually, for our birds and our animals at our sanctuary they also have outdoor ones they actually yield 30 percent more and grow the vegetables three times faster so if you would like to learn more go to amandagracegrows.com god bless and i have to tell you something they work it is an alternative to big pharma based on quantum physics, over 40 scripture verses written into these patches for everything from blood sugar, anxiety, pain, neuropathy, to immune system boost, dog pain. They are very sincere about um, having alternatives to big pharma. We are a big advocate of natural solutions to help with pain and, and, and blood sugar and a host of other issues. I yeah. tried the pain patches and yeah, I gave them I to my uh, VP of operations also, Ronnie. And she said they worked as well. She was yeah. quite shocked, actually, but she said they worked so, and they worked when I used them. When you connect it to your body, the skin patch changes your brainwaves. This one is neuropathy. I actually have it on and we use this on Toby, actually, because Toby's about eight years old. And from being paralyzed years ago and the Lord miraculously healing him, he has a little leftover with his joints and his hips. 
So we actually give him the doggy pain patches. What was he doing? He was running? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I walked him out and wow, he's boom. And he got power. I said, no way. And I don't know. I said, Amanda, what? What did you do to him? To <laughs> so it's good. Hello, everyone. It's Amanda Grace. I'm coming to you today to talk to you about Reawaken America. I have been humbled and honored to be a part of Reawaken America since April 2021 when the first one was had at Rima Bible College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I have to say, I have watched so many amazing moments happen for the glory of God at Reawaken America and seeds get planted in the lives of those that are still seeking the Lord. We have seen many people uh, get set free, healed, delivered. Uh, we love to pray over people at Reawaken America. Um, I have prayed with so many uh, amazing people, which include Marty Grisham from Lamar Prayer, Prayer, Pastor Todd Coconado, uh, who also deals in deliverance as well. And it has been uh, an honor and a privilege to pray for so many people, to be able to minister to them, for my husband Chris to be able to minister as well, and uh, for, for Clay and General Flynn to allow me to, to even speak there, to even speak and, and speak what the Lord has to say. People need the word of the Lord in this hour. That is what they need. Uh, and so... Reawaken America has been a chance for people to come and not only hear the word of the Lord um, and hear biblical teaching and be prayed for, but also to get necessary information they need because the word of God says it is the knowledge of the truth that will set you free. Um, and so it's been an incredible experience for us. We hope to see you at upcoming events uh, that are coming up this year. Uh, and we are excited to see you there. God bless everyone. This is one of the greatest movements I've ever seen and been a part of. I literally go to President Trump's rallies. I speak there. I speak on his bus tours. This reawakened tour is literally what it means. It has reawakened the American heart. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal, you know the, you know the thing. We will shut you down, we will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you, and we will take you to jail, period. I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. God actually spoke to me. He spoke about sacredness. He said to me, Kim, what I place in many, many people is sacred. And if anybody touches what is sacred to me, then it is the end for them. So what I've done in the United States of America is sacred. And there are people on every side that are trying to destroy what I deem sacred. And it's not going to happen. This is the definition of criminal conspiracy, racketeering, and collusion. This is not a theory. This is evidence. Because I have upheld this country to spread the light to the rest of the world. 
when you choose to go against the sacred thing that God puts into the very heart and the soil of this nation. This was sacred to God. Now is the time to act. This is exactly why I need some action from my people.